Hi, you found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary things in this extraordinary time of global quarantine are FaceTiming with long-distance friends, the smell of fresh sheets, and all those overdue library books I have that have now had their fines waived. <laughs> and Lisa Joe, mine are headphones, four pairs on four kids, the internet, which is keeping us connected, and my seedlings, my baby seeds under grow lights in the basement. Friends, may you find joy in today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Okay, this next conversation is part of a fun series we're excited to share with you all. In these days of quarantine and cabin fever, we want to help you and ourselves see our homes less like places where we are trapped with frighteningly low supplies of toilet paper and more like places of refuge and welcome for ourselves and others we love. <laughs> this is the home series, stories from our favorite rooms in the house. We hope this series offers you new ways to see your space and a fresh appreciation for all the magic that lives within your ordinary walls. No matter how tired, frazzled, or frustrated you might feel today, take the next half hour to exhale as we remind you how awesome your home and all its stories really are. Today, we're telling stories from the living room. But first, Lisa Joe, I want to share a poem with you that has a little bit more to do with the kitchen, <laughs> because um, our listeners know that we have told stories so far from the dining room and the kitchen, both of which revolved around our tables. And a friend of mine, one of our listeners, Tamara Murphy, sent me a poem that she was reminded of after our kitchen episode. It's so beautiful. So this poem, I'd never heard it before. I told Tamara, it's a keeper. This poem is called Perhaps the World Ends Here, and it's by Joy Harjo. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table, we gossip, recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves, and as we put ourselves back together, once again, at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing 
and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. Isn't that good? It's like a meal. It is. It is like a meal. I don't know why, Lisa Joe. I just really needed this poem. (laughs) I think I needed, especially today, this acknowledgement that it does feel like the world is ending some days. I don't know. I, I was coming to our recording today just not sure that I had happy, funny stories to tell about other rooms in our house because... Yeah, some days we're just not feeling the, the the happiness and and the joy of it. But this poem, I think what I love about it is it acknowledges the laughter around the table and the tears around the table and it doesn't separate them out. It's saying we laugh and we cry and we eat the last sweet wonderful bite and we just go on living and it's good. It's all good. So I hope it's okay if we begin there. <laughs> yeah, what's encouraging to me is just sometimes you feel like you need to borrow somebody else's words. And yeah. I think sometimes that's why our listeners are tuning in because they're trying to borrow our stories to remind themselves of their own stories. Because when we're living in these homes that we're not allowed to leave, it's difficult because there isn't input. Like there isn't fresh input coming in Mm -hmm. from the outside world, it feels like. And so constantly, I feel like I'm dealing with recycled stories, you know, which sound like, why haven't you unloaded the dishwasher? I ask you every day to do that. Or why (laughs) did you leave your shoes here? Or have you done your homework? Really? Have you? Let me see your checklist. Let's work Mm -hmm. through it together. Like, it feels like recycled stories because I just keep saying the same ones over and over and over again. And even on the weekends, there's that feeling again, especially when the weather is hard and you're stuck inside still, there's that feeling of like, where are the fresh stories and the fresh rhythms and the new words? So for me, it's comforting to climb into somebody else's words and snuggle up for a while and be reminded that there is a world still outside these walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that puts it really well. So what's happening in your living room these days then? Is it the same every day or? Well, I think as you said, living rooms are morphing because during the week, so even be, you know the difference between week and weekend, but then even between like mornings and evenings. So during the daytime, because as we established, I live in this big open plan house that everything feels like one room. <laughs> the living room can also be the school room or the library or the homework assignment place or the wake up when you get, you know, getting up early and you don't want to start work yet and you're snuggled in a sofa. In the evening, it's the decompress zone, you know, let's watch a family movie or the boys are playing a video game together. And then on the weekends, it's church. On Sunday mornings, the living room becomes church. And so I feel like it's this weird space that's constantly morphing, but maybe the thing it has in common with all of those experiences is a degree of comfort. I think a lot of people in our living rooms, we tend to have lots of cozy blankets. At least we always do in our living rooms. Some are more tattered than others. But our our whole living room has, I always hope, the feeling of a hug. It's the place where you can receive a hug. And an interesting story that is lingering in our sofas in the living room. And it's funny, I hadn't thought about it until I started speaking now. So here we go. I'm going to go on what I feel like is an archaeological dig. I'm going to dig down through my sofa (laughs) and come up somewhere else where I can raise my head like a mole above the ground and sniff the air and remember that there are other places. But our living room furniture, these two sofas we have, are of this battered, beat-up, chocolate brown leather. And the fun story behind these sofas that have been with us now 
for how old is Jackson? He's going to turn 15. So 15 years old. It's a great thing about leather furniture is it really can just endure the battery of time. Peter and I at the time were living in South Africa and we had our little firstborn Jackson and we were at the time preparing to move back to the States. And it was a very difficult season that I've shared about in the past and I've written about in my books where it just felt like failure was crashing down on our heads. We had been home, we had loved it, we had had a baby there after living a decade overseas, but we really hadn't been able to plan a long-term future in terms of jobs and finances and all the things you need for real life. And Pete had been offered a job back in Michigan, so we were leaving South Africa to come home. And the entire time we lived in South Africa, we never had all of our belongings with us because we kept waiting for that moment when we could really exhale and settle down. And as you know, to be able to do that, you need a job. And because we never got to that point of stability in terms of jobs and income, All of our earthly belongings stayed in storage in the U.S., and we kept waiting and waiting to send for them, and we never did. And I remember we borrowed a dining room table from friends, and we bought some knives and forks and plates, but nothing was permanent, and we never owned a sofa the whole time we were there. One of my brothers loaned us his old college hand-me-down sofa, and one of the things Peter and I used to do on the weekends is we would go and take walks through these unbelievable home decor stores in South Africa. Listen, you think Pottery Barn is nice or I'm trying to think, what are the big stores here that people love for home um, home and design? Oh, what's that fancy one that I can't think of right now? They're like above my pay grade even to walk inside. <laughs> But these beautiful home stories, well, South Africa has really taken that to an art form. And because it's sort of like Cape Dutch style meets out of Africa. And so you have a lot of just stunning wood pieces and leather pieces and natural fibers in the most beautiful designs that are so interesting and original. And a lot of these places are kind of like warehouses. And so what they do is they'll have displays set up. But then up against the walls, literally hanging from the walls as high as the eye can see up to the roof are chairs attached to the walls or sofas or tables. And you just wander around this magical grown-up fairyland (laughs) (laughs) drooling. And how beautiful it is. And I, Pete and I used to talk often about just the smell of the leather furniture that's intended to live for generations, you know, but we could never afford it. The whole time we lived there, we never bought a single piece of furniture. And so here we are now after about two and a half years, the one thing we're taking home with us to the States from South Africa is a new baby boy <laughs> that I gave birth to. And at the last minute, I ended up discovering that there was a very small piece of inheritance that had come my way from my mother's father. And they were of Dutch descent and spoke Dutch in the home. They lived down in the Cape and hadn't had a lot of time to know them in my adult years because they had been elderly and ill and I had been living overseas. But literally in the weeks before we were going to leave, this small, like very small amount of money was sent to us by my aunt from my grandfather's will. And Peter said to me, you know what we should do? This isn't money we're going to use to just pay off a debt. He's like, we are going to use this money to take something tangible home with us to America from South Africa. And Christy, we bought ourselves some chocolate South African leather sofas. <laughs> oh, 
I will never forget our excitement at that, like all those months of drooling over these beautiful pieces of furniture. And what made it so interesting is that, you know, when you're ordering leather furniture, often it takes time, right? Time to be built, time to be delivered. And so we had, we placed the order. They had assured us it would get to us in time. But man, the days were ticking down and we had plane tickets booked. Like we had a moving company coming to ship what little furniture we had back to the States with us. And the leather couches hadn't arrived yet. Oh. I'm Chrissy, it was insane. Like we were packing up, cleaning up. The movers had come to our house and Peter was overseeing all of it. I was working. He was overseeing the move. And he kept texting me, the couches haven't arrived yet. The couches haven't arrived yet. Like the movers, now they've done the bedrooms. Now they've done the kitchen. Now they're done. The couches haven't arrived yet. And I told him, we are not leaving South Africa (laughs) without these couches. And I kid you not, this is a very unusual twist to the story because it's very unlike my husband. He is very, um, he suffers from what I call the disease of politeness. It's really hard for him to ask people to go outside their comfort zone or to, to do something that isn't part of the parameters of the agreement. But he managed to convince the movers to drive their truck to the store where the sofas were supposed to be delivered from and have the sofas packed directly (gasps) onto our shipping truck. Well done, Peter (laughs) Baker. Rather than miss them. Isn't that amazing? And he texted me. He's like, we're at the store. Oh my gosh, the the sofa (sighs) fits. It's going to fit into the container. And he did it. We got literally the night before we're supposed to fly out that moving truck, packed up those sofas to ship them to the States. And it's wild because they go on a boat, you know, and if anyone's a military family, you know what that's like. And they're these huge crates that they get packed into. And so when we arrived in Michigan, we were for a long time without home or furniture once again. And we stayed with Pete's aunt and uncle and they adopted us. And then there was this house that we could rent from family, friends, and we lived there for a long time with nothing. And then finally, our crate was delivered. But what was so interesting about it is when they offloaded all the furniture and we saw the sofas, one of the main sofas, because one is a can seat about five people and one can seat more like three. And they're big, heavy, wooden backs and leather. One of them had looked like a giant had played with it like a dollhouse piece of furniture and had dropped it and the back <gasps> of the couch was just cracked like right oh no. right through <laughs> inside the wood so the leather was still containing it but it had splintered and you could sense it i mean you couldn't really mm-hmm. sit on it and the movers told us what must have happened is as the crane was transporting oh. the sofa off of the boat, they dropped our crate and it just oh. crunched up the back of that sofa. And I remember telling Pete, oh my word, are you kidding me? We've waited like five months to have couches again and now the stupid sofa is broken. But we did what you do. We applied for insurance and it got covered and we found someone who could fix it. And Mm. it lived in our Michigan house and they undid, surgically undid the back of the leather and repaired the wooden beams. And when we sat on those sofas in Michigan, it was the very first time we ever used them because we had purchased them in South Africa and never used them. And that's 15 years ago now. And they have moved with us to every house since then. We have treated them with leather love and softener. Our kids have puked on them and <laughs> peed on them and spilled on them. 
They are now at that stage of leather where they're cracked. You know how the leather starts to crinkle and crack after a while, no matter what we do to it. Our kids have taken them apart and used them to build forts. And so when I think about my living room, I think about those two couches that are my South African inheritance from my opa on my mom's side. Mm -hmm. And here they are keeping company with us in Maryland. And wow, I... Feel like I just exhaled and inhaled life again because yeah. that is the story that has creeped up inside those sofa pillows. <laughs> so when we sit down on them as much as they sag now, <laughs> all of those memories are the stuffings in the pillow. I feel like Joy Harjo could write another poem about your sofa, <laughs> <laughs> all the life lived around the sofa. And actually, Lisa Joe, I realize now that I have some sofa stories too. I so one small one, which is hilarious and also horrifying. And then one longer one, which is more meaningful. But the first horrifying story is about um, the leather sofas we have in our living room, our family room, which, uh, like you, we do not live on a leather sofa budget. (laughs) So, for ages and ages, I haunted all the Craigslist listings online and yard sale postings on Facebook because I wanted leather sofas for our living room because for children, (laughs) I had realized over time that really that was the only material that could stand up to (laughs) the constant abuse. (laughs) And that was before our living room became church and movie theater and everything else. So finally, um, a listing came up on Craigslist for a leather sofa and a leather, um, like a long sofa and like yours, a smaller one that could fit two people perfect. I love the look. I love the color. It was exactly the color of leather I'd been looking for and had been so hard to find. It was kind of like a caramel, honey caramel color. I love those sofas. Which is really what I wanted. Yeah. And uh, so, so excited, told my husband and um, got in touch with the the people selling them. The price was right. And we got them. I They, they got back to us and said, yes, yes. Um, you know, if you can come this weekend, they're yours. And uh, so Jonathan agreed. We are fortunate we have a pickup truck. So he um, took our pickup truck on his own to go pick up this furniture. And I can remember, I don't know if this is why I stayed home, but I remember having, um, I had a, you know, my good friend, Melissa, um, who is a faithful listener as well. I hope she's listening. I remember she was with me that day. And so maybe I just stayed to spend time with her and our kids. And so I was not a witness to what happened (laughs) as Jonathan drove the furniture. Back to our house. <laughs> Lisa Joe, it's so awful. <laughs> okay, that day, it was a early spring day. And as often happens in that transition between winter and spring, the wind was whipping and whipping and whipping. But I didn't think anything of it because he was picking up leather furniture. He was picking up massive leather furniture. So he didn't take rope or tarp or anything to to tie the things down in, our, in the pickup truck because again, massive leather <laughs> furniture. <laughs> but at one point on the drive home, Jonathan was on one of our narrow country roads and he crested a hill and all of a sudden um the woods, the the forest sort of fell away, and he was in a place on the road where it was just open farmland on either side. And at that moment, a massive gust of wind blew across the road, 
Lisa Joe, it lifted one of those sofas and picked it up into the air and threw it onto the side of the road. <laughs> you had the same experience of me, of a giant playing with your toy sofas and yes! throwing them all around. <laughs> oh, Lisa Joe, I'm laughing, but I also get this sick feeling in my stomach every time I remember this story because if anyone had been like behind Jonathan, I mean, it could, this, this sofa could have killed someone. Yeah. It could have killed someone. But it it didn't. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It didn't. Um, <laughs> but Jonathan was so horrified in the moment. He pulled over as quickly as he could, and he raced back to the sofa that is now lying on the side of the road. <laughs> so crazy. And realized the leather in the back had just been gashed, like ripped, yep. like the giant's fingernails, right? Right. And he was so paranoid that someone was going to come up that hill before he could oh, wow. get out of the way. And so I think it was one of those moments where the adrenaline kicks in and <laughs> all of a sudden you have superhuman strength. strength. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wasn't there, but I like to picture it as if my, my husband, who let me, for our listeners who don't know him, let me just explain that my husband is exactly my size. We are the same height. <laughs> Uh, we probably weigh the same. He's perfectly sized for me, but he is not a large man. Um, but my husband, fueled by whatever kind of fear or strength or adrenaline, picked up that sofa, tossed it into the back of our pickup truck, and raced on home. Wow. And um, couldn't even explain to me when he got home what had happened. He was so shaken up and so grateful and also so upset about the rips. But you know what? The rips were all on the back. And so that sofa is still down there in our living room, but it's up against the wall and no one even has to know. So, okay. <laughs> That's one but story. It's a great story. Oh. And every time I see that rip and I, if John happens to be in the room and I catch yeah. his eye, he just does this look like of like, we all we know. He's like that emoji with the shocked eyes, you know? Yes. <laughs> And I try not to laugh, but it's really funny. <laughs> I feel like the the sofa it just it just says grace of God to us, like grace right. of God. For and it's funny that it was both and, of our husbands who were like in these yeah. sofa negotiations yeah. with God and the elements, apparently. <laughs> uh, but sofas, Lisa Joe, they are actually quite meaningful pieces of furniture because my other sofa story is this. Our listeners are familiar. I often talk about before we moved to Maplehurst in Pennsylvania, we lived for um, just two years in Florida. And those were very hard years for me for a number of reasons. I was lonely and just wasn't happy in that place. And it really was a wilderness season. And I, especially for our last year there, just prayed almost daily, Lord, when will you lead us out again? I'm so ready to move on, so ready to move on. And at that point as well, Jonathan and I were dreaming or beginning to dream of a of a farmhouse somewhere up north. Um, we had this, we really believed God-given vision of a farmhouse. And the other thing that was difficult about the time there in Florida is that I was very sick. The we, As we discussed in a recent episode, I'm very allergic to trees. <laughs> And the thing about Florida is that the trees give off all this pollen in the winter, and there isn't that cold, cold winter to give you a season of relief from seasonal allergies. So I was very sick all through the winter from tree pollen, which meant that I had terrible asthma and spent a lot of time just in my bedroom with the air filter going. But I can remember clearly the day that fed up with my room, I went in our pickup truck <laughs> with one of my children to our local thrift store just to get out of the house. I love to find used books there at the thrift store. 
And I walked into the thrift, uh, actually, no, before I walked into the thrift store, I remember feeling like I couldn't breathe well. And I realized I'd forgotten my inhaler. And I thought, you know what? I should just turn right around and go home because I need my inhaler. And I thought, you know what? No, just take a few minutes, look at the books. You'll be fine. And then and then head on home. I'm not far from home. So instead, I, I didn't leave. I, I turned around. I walked into the store. And as soon as I walked in, I saw this antique sofa, the, the Victorian kind with the carved wood and the scrolly legs. And the fabric was terrible, but the shape of the sofa was just amazing. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, that's the kind of, that's the kind of sofa you have in a farmhouse up north somewhere. That's not a Florida sofa. That's farmhouse sofa. That's what I will have in this, so, in this house that I'm dreaming of that right now I don't even believe will ever, <laughs> ever happen. But I walked over to it, and the price, it was so inexpensive that I stood there and thought, do I believe? Do I believe that I will have this farmhouse I'm dreaming of? Because if I believe, maybe I'll go ahead and buy this sofa. There's no place for it in my Florida house. If I bring this home, it has to sit in the garage. But I think, I think this dream of a farmhouse is from God, and I think I'm being asked to have faith in it, even on this day where I feel sick and I can't breathe. And, and so, Lisa Joe, I bought the sofa. I bought the sofa. Bless my husband. <laughs> he was okay <laughs> with bringing that sofa home. He made room for it in the garage because we didn't have room for it in our house. It was not a sofa for our Florida house. It sat in the garage until a point came where I felt like the next step of faith was to look for someone to help me reupholster it, to take off the old fabric and the old horsehair stuffing because it really was an antique sofa. And so I did that. For the first time ever, I found someone who did upholstery and, and he came to the house and I picked up fabric and he, he took the sofa off to his shop. And I, for weeks, would think about that sofa. Every once in a while, I would send him an email. How's the sofa? <laughs> and he would tell me, oh, still working, still working on it. Weeks went by and weeks went by and weeks went by. Lisa Joe, at this point, I think 10 weeks what? went by. It's like a gestation. Yes, so many weeks. And all of those weeks, because of the season I was in, I was sick. I was longing to leave Florida. I was dreaming of um, just some other home, but there was no movement. There was no new job offer for my husband. There was no sense that we were going to be able to leave Florida anytime soon. And yet I had this farmhouse sofa sitting at the upholsters, you know, workshop, waiting, waiting, waiting until the day I turned 35. And it wasn't a great birthday, Lisa Joe. I just remember feeling stuck. I remember feeling like, great, one more birthday in this place where I just feel like there's no life for me. Yeah, it wasn't a great birthday, even though I had my family, they were celebrating me. But late in the afternoon, I got a phone call, and it was that upholsterer. And he said, I know this is last minute, but your sofa is ready, and I'm out making some other deliveries. Is there any chance that you're home? Like, are you home right now? No way. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. He's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. 10 minutes later, my sofa. He and Jonathan bring it in the front door. We make room for it, not in the garage. I cleared out the, the sofa we already had from our Florida living room. They brought it in, and um, that was my birthday present. Wow. On my 35th birthday. That was June 23rd. 
I think it was that week that we found out John had a job offer in Pennsylvania. On July 4th, we were here in Pennsylvania looking for a farmhouse. And by August 1st, I was moving with that sofa into this house. I have goosebumps. That's I've never heard the origin (laughs) story of that sofa. It's the pink one, right? Actually, it is. So the parlor, you know, where our fireplace is? Yes. And it is upholstered in a green, like a green, yeah, like a green and white (gasps) kind of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kind of a tweedy fabric. Yes. Yeah. I've never heard the origin story of that sofa. That's wild. Christy. My 35th birthday. And I felt like it's just a sofa, right? And yet it was so much more than a sofa. And it felt like a birthday present from God to me. Mm. It felt like the sign of hope that I needed, Mm. that life was, you know, about to change, that I was seen, (laughs) I was loved. And honestly, now I think, ah, best birthday ever. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me want to go hug my sofa right now and be like, thank you for bearing witness to everything. Because you're right. Like we started this conversation saying we're so locked in our stories and there's how do we see the future? Where's the horizon? I can't breathe. But man, if I go out of this room and I walk down the hall and I look at those cracked sofas that I know my kids will be lounging in, Mm -hmm. probably in just wearing underwear and nothing else. But I am reminded that those sofas have weathered many a storm with us where I thought the same thing, like there's no hope, there's no future, we can't move forward. I mean, that is how the origin story of my sofa started. I didn't even think they'd show up. I didn't think we'd have them. And there's so many things these days I feel that way about work or Mm -hmm. new opportunities or a puppy that my kids want. Like, will these things show up? What's the chances? It's too difficult and hard. I'm locked in this house forever. And Gosh, you know, those furniture that have their stories locked in them, they're like a secret portal (laughs) Mm -hmm, to another mm -hmm. place to remember that God gives good gifts and He's always giving them, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even see the fullness of the meaning until now, but you're right. These sofas, these living rooms where we are doing all of our living right now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. our church going, our our movie theater attending, um, so, so much life that's happening in these rooms. And I have felt lately as if the walls were closing in on me, Mm -hmm. that even me who loves to be at home, I am a homebody. And yet even I feel like, I don't know if I can take one more day that is it feels exactly like every other day. Mm. And really, that's the wilderness, right? That The wilderness is nothing ever changes. You just wander and wander and wander. And um, some of us might be feeling, as I have been, that we're in a kind of wilderness season of just one, you know, the, every day, exactly like the day before. Um, but these sofas remind me that we just don't even know how quickly morning will come, how quickly hopes will be realized, how quickly everything can change. So it does give me hope. That does give me comfort. Me too. I needed those stories today. I needed them. I needed to hear us tell them. I didn't even realize. I I feel Mm -hmm. completely different than I did at the beginning of this conversation. (laughs) Oh, listeners, we hope you feel the same. May God just remind you of all the stories that live stuffed into your sofa pillows, even if they're split in the back like ours have been. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For years, may you just know that there. this is a God who makes his home with us. And mm-hmm. the stories that live in our sofas are a testimony to the story he writes in our lives. And we just hope that you feel encouraged. And we'd love if you want to share a picture of your ratty sofas or your new sofas with us. You can always find us on Instagram. I am at Lisa Jo Baker. 
And I'm at Christy Purifoy. Or they could email us, right, Lisa Jo? Sure. What's our email address? Out of the ordinary podcast at gmail.com. That's Have I got right. that right? Out of the ordinary podcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to unearthing some more stories next week about another room in the house. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.